from the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hello, listeners. Hey, everyone. Here we are again, in the, still in the midst of this strange time of coronavirus in not just our country, but everywhere in the world. It's a time unprecedented. We just hit a, a milestone in this country. We were watching the news last night, and now we have surpassed uh, other nations in the number of cases. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's getting scary. Mm-hmm. Without a foundation of trust that God is God can get really, really scary. And even with that foundation, it gets mm-hmm. gets scary. Real people are suffering. Yes, please know as we come to podcast and, and speak to the questions that have been submitted, we are aware of how many... All of us are in just an unusual time, even as we listen to this podcast, wherever we are, the the particular challenges that are going on in this time, we are lifting everyone up in prayer, lifting everyone up to the the gift of of faith and hope and love to be poured out in a time of great need for all of those gifts. Some of you have are suffering right now with this sickness or have people close to you and all the situations that require us to surrender to the Lord and um, really trust Him to lead us through uncharted waters in our lives right now. I just, um, we're very aware of that. And, you know, everybody, even if we're healthy and like in our family, we homeschool anyway, you know, like the change maybe isn't quite as dramatic in our lives, and yeah. yet we're still experiencing big changes. I mean, there's a sort of a funny thing about toilet paper hoarding. What's with the toilet oh, paper? it's funny. See, my personality, I'm not, like I don't have that, oh my goodness, let me do something now. Like I'm the opposite. I'm so laid back. So when when this first started being a thing, I remember thinking, well, I have enough toilet paper. I don't need to just buy toilet paper because other people are. And now, you know, there's like none on the shelves. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. But what well. I want to, I want to press into this. Like, what, what? I'm trying to understand the phenomenon. Why is it the toilet paper? Yeah. I I read something in in Time Magazine about this. I think you read it too. No. You what? didn't read it. Uh-uh. Had a little blurb on the side okay. about why are we hoarding toilet paper? Yeah. And. <laughs> I I suppose I can relate to some of this, but it was talking about how toilet paper is a comforting reality in <laughs> times of distress. Like we have all these associations with it that go the whole way back to uh, wow, you know, childhood and toilet training and uh, the the need to be cleansed in this way is somehow deeply psychologically comforting and when we're under stress externally we go <laughs> we reach for the toilet paper i i guess i can s- sort of relate to that but it's that's very interesting <laughs> yeah, well, i've had a few conversations with the with the people who work in checkout at my grocery store and they're giving tips from other customers about what to do when you don't have toilet paper the conversations are pretty <laughs> amusing but i'll say this too it, you know Time after time of going to the store and seeing not just toilet paper, but other shelves empty, um, normal things are not 
in the stores, it kind of feeds the anxious mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. because we, without realizing it, maybe we we draw comfort in seeing everything I want is available to me or everything I normally would yes. have you know, reason to want to get for our family or for myself is, is there. And, and suddenly it's not, it doesn't, it's, it causes an unease. And, and then sometimes, you know, the news can really be troubling. And so I, I know that I feel that at times and you do too. And we actually had a question from one of our listeners. How do you handle this anxiety that is just, almost unavoidable in this time. Yeah, I in my own anxieties and uneasiness about this, I reached on my shelf for a book that I first read about 12 years ago by Father Jacques Philippe. I'm sure I've talked about him before yes. mm-hmm. on this podcast. Father Jacques Philippe, if you don't know him, get to know him. He has maybe 10 or more of these just little books. Uh, they're easy reads and they're so, so insightful. This one is called Searching for and Maintaining Peace. And I got so excited reading this book over the last week or so that I came up with a little idea I want to share with the listeners. Starting today, Monday, March 30th, 2020, at noon, I'm going live five days a week, Monday through Friday. I'm going live on our YouTube channel to do some guided reflections on this marvelous little book, Mm -hmm. Searching for and Maintaining Peace. So just go to uh, YouTube, type in Christopher West. You'll get to my YouTube channel. We'll put the link in the show notes here. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the notification bell, and you'll be notified every day when I go live. And I'm just going to go for as long as it takes to go through this book. Mm -hmm. It's so, so pertinent to all that we're feeling, the anxieties we have. And in in answer to this question, I want to just share a little bit from from this book. This is what Father Jacques Philippe says, and this, this spoke to me. I needed to hear it. He says, we are never assured of obtaining anything in this life. And everything which we hold in our hands can easily slip from our grasp. There's no guarantee offered by this world on which we can count absolutely. Okay, well, where's the peace in any of that? Yeah. No, he, he's, he's pointing out. <laughs> Thanks, Father <laughs> <Yeah>. Jacques-Louis. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, he's, he's saying he's, where, he, where he goes with this is, where are you looking for peace? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, if you're looking for peace in the things of this world, that's a sure recipe to lose your peace. And here we can be reminded of what the Lord said. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, but not as the world gives. That means there's some other kind of peace that doesn't come from the things of this world. And if we find ourselves losing our peace because we don't have toilet paper or you know even even other things that are much more important than toilet paper i am finding for myself this is a challenge for me to say where am i putting my peace he so he goes on to say we could even say that the surest way to lose our peace is precisely to try to secure it on our own terms Jesus says, whoever saves his life will lose it. If we try to secure 
our own peace, our own security on our own terms, that is the sure way to lose it. So I'm finding this whole corona time where I'm not traveling, I'm not bringing in the kind of funding that comes into the ministry that keeps our whole ministry afloat. Yeah, that's a source of of question. And Lord, how are you going to provide? And where am I putting my security? It's a challenge to me. He goes on to say, to preserve our peace in the midst of the hazards of human existence, we have only one solution. Drum roll, please. Here it is. Yes, I'd like to know. He says, and it's true, and this is the challenge for us all, we must rely on God alone with total trust. But that's scary. Mm -hmm. It means confronting, and he gets into this, confronting the deepest fears of our heart, the deepest tendencies of original sin. This is, this is, I think, the key insight of the whole book. He says, our greatest problem is this. We don't trust God. He says, this is precisely the great victory of the father of lies. He succeeded in convincing us that God is not to be trusted. Mm. This is the original sin. And our hearts are marked with this distrust when we come into the world. Our entire spiritual life, he says, and my whole adult life, I've been taking my spiritual life seriously. I can, I can certainly say this has been true in my life. He says, our entire spiritual life consists precisely in a long and sometimes difficult and painful process of re-education with the view to regaining complete confidence in God as our loving Father. Mm. How do we regain that confidence? How do we experience that re-education? It's often through very difficult, painful trials like this, where we are confronted with what we have made God in our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, where do we place our trust? That's, that's what we've made God. Mm. Where we place our trust is what we have made God. And if we are you know, it's one thing to be shaken in, a, in an external sense because there's no toilet paper at the grocery store. Or because we can't go to work. Or because we can't go to work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to reduce it all to toilet paper. That's just, I'm saying that kind of as a, a symbol of the, one of the immediate things we're, we're feeling. Um, but there, there are deep, deep sufferings. People are dying. Mm. People's relatives are dying. Uh, people's loved ones, spouses, children are dying. Uh, mm. I just learned of, of someone in the, the Catholic world, a speaker and, and teacher that I've known over the years who has the coronavirus, and it's hitting home. My parents are, are old and, and vulnerable. Um, it's scary. Um, I just got a text from a, a friend who's getting rushed to the hospital with with some strange ailment, and is it Corona? I don't, I don't know that it's Corona, but anyway, there, there's, there's suffering here. But my, my point is this, if our peace is being shaken at its core, then that's an indication that we are seeking peace in things that cannot provide it. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, 
not as the world gives do I give it. When Jesus says, my peace, what is his peace? His peace is nothing other than the absolute assurance that he is loved by the Father and that he can face even the most horrific suffering, which was his passion and death on the cross, trusting that his Father loves him, even to the point of feeling utterly abandoned by God. My God, my God, why, why have you abandoned me? And yet, that cry of his heart becomes, into your hands, I commend my life. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. There's this line Jacques Philippe says. Um, I think it's, it's very insightful. He says, we will be invited at certain times in life to believe in the contradiction of appearances. And then he quotes St. Paul, and to hope against all hope mm. that God will provide all that we need. That, I like that expression, to believe in the contradiction of appearances, where it seems, I mean, there's Christ dying on the cross, mm-hmm. and it seems as though God has abandoned him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And yet it becomes a cry of trust. Into your hands, I commend my life. I commend my spirit. It's a hope against all hope. Uh, these are some of the gems that I'm finding challenging in my own life, but necessarily challenging. I think we have to allow ourselves to let the challenges of this time challenge us. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I, I want to take, I've, I've been gaining so much out of this book, I just want to share. Yeah, and I just want to say too, I have noticed a change in you since you picked up the book. Yeah. You know, the yeah, deeper peace, and I'm grateful for that. I know, you know, the initial wave of suffering and canceling events and looking at an uncertain future. I think really grace has come Thanks, love. into your heart. And you actually helped me out. I know you remember this, but I'll tell our listeners, I had somewhat of a, I don't know if panic attack is too strong of a word, but a, like a deep kind of experience of anxiety that I was praying through that feeling and not really finding relief easily you know it was a hard um time of feeling afraid and anxious but you afterwards when you I talked to you about it you said that I could be interceding for others and Mm. that sense that even the suffering of anxiety can be offered as a prayer um and is fruitful has really been a comfort to me that's kind of like help me to go forward knowing, okay, even if I experience that again, I know I can offer that to the Lord for, you know, him to use for good. So, thank you. Yeah, it's it's quite a time to enter into what the church means by solidarity, mm-hmm. being in communion with those who are, are suffering. We're, we're all in this together. I find a actually a profound comfort in that, that we're going through this as a nation, we're going through this as a church. We're going through this as a global community. Uh, there's few people on the planet who, who aren't being mm-hmm. directly impacted by this. And there's something, there's an opportunity there to grow more deeply in what it means to be 
a human family all having one father and we kind of get down to the common denominator of our humanity of what what makes us anxious and and what do we really hope for what do we long for and where can we place our hope and not be disappointed so because i'm gaining so much again from this book i i want to share the treasures with you in a in a deeper ongoing way so please consider uh signing up go to the our youtube channel and um subscribe and click the notification bell and you'll be notified each day. uh, The plan is to go on live on YouTube at noon, Monday through Friday. And it might take, I don't know how many weeks it'll take, but I'm going to, as long as it takes, I'm going to go through and just share the the gems from that book of Father Jacques Philippe. Thank you. So do we have another, another question? Yes, our our listeners are still keeping the questions well, I, that's coming. That's so. kind of a dumb way to put it. Do we have <laughs> another course, question? Of course, yes. I know we have another question. But that's good. What is the next question? That's good. You know, God, the Holy Spirit is at work. I think every question is a sign of grace is at work that in is people's true. lives. You know that we're examining the situations in our own hearts, in our own relationships, in other people's, and saying, hush. How does the Lord, how can the Lord speak to this? And we're happy to be, you know, part of that process and hope that the Lord would, you know, use us in in the answers to these questions. So I'll share one from a listener named Vernon. Great. Vernon asks, often there are attractive looking women on TV. I know my wife is uncomfortable with my watching them as I used to have a pornography problem. So I turn away and my wife says I'm not healed. However, if I instead continue watching, she gets tense and even says, change the channel. How can I win? She has wounds from my previous behavior, but blames me for not healing, even Mm. though I do not indulge anymore. Mm. Bless you, Vernon. Bless you, brother. Yeah, uh, attractive women on TV. It's funny, if you travel, as I do, into other countries and you turn on like TV in in England or something, um, you're struck as an American that they're just more normal looking people (laughs) on TV here. You attractive people are just not normal. (laughs) That's not, that's not, I mean, (laughs) what I'm saying is in, in America, I'm, I'm relating to what he's saying that in American television, there's this push for like the perfect smile right. and everybody has perfect teeth and they're perfectly white and yes. you know you, you, their figure and their yeah everything mm-hmm. and that that skews our understanding of of the what genuine humanity is mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a representative kind of way um vernon god bless you brother let me let me speak i i can't speak into what you know how you appease your wife here there are hurts there and there are understandable hurts there. And it's also understandable that, you know, the way she's hurt and can kind of poke at your wounds can also hurt you. The Lord's mercy is real, but it works in real time and it works with our own, in the midst of our own frailties. And it's not an easy journey out of these painful situations that we we create for ourselves when we take our yearning in the wrong direction. And that's, that's what I want to speak to here. Underneath every misguided desire is a good desire that seeks and must find in order to heal. 
the legitimate satisfaction of the true desire. And I've been on quite a journey here myself, Vernon, in this regard. Feminine beauty is has been uh, something I've idolized. It's been something I've I've tried to feed my deep soul needs in disordered ways. I, I know that terrain very well because I've been dealing with it in my own heart for years. And I will, I will say this in terms of what I have learned in my own journey. You're looking for Mary. You are looking for, I'll just quote John Paul II here, you are looking for the experience of integral beauty. Mm. Integral beauty. What is integral beauty? It means the beauty of the integration of body and soul. In the modern world, we have, we have this rupture in our understanding of beauty. We reduce it to the merely physical, and, and this creates a profound distortion. We are looking for integral beauty, John Paul II says, and the only, truly, in the current state of affairs, I mean, the hope is we're all headed towards the resurrection of the body and the glorification of our body, soul, humanity, that's our destiny, so we have that hope. I like that. Yeah, that's a good hope. There's no other hope. It's the only hope. But in the current state of affairs, there is only one integrally beautiful woman in the perfect sense of the word, in the true, fullest sense of the word, and that's Mary. That's who you're looking for, my brother. You are looking for Mary. And guess what, Vernon? She's looking for you. Hmm. she's after you. She desires you. The most beautiful creature God has ever created is the Blessed Mother, and she's looking for you. So often, so often, these, these wounds that we have deep in our souls as men that we take to idealized, eroticized images of feminine beauty, these Genuine needs that we take in disordered directions go back to a kind of nostalgia, a yearning for the inner mystery of woman, a yearning for our home. The, the very word nostalgia means a, a longing for home. And, and here we're getting to some profound mysteries that our very existence comes from within woman. I've probably said this on a, a previous podcast, but it's worth repeating. We spend the first nine months of our lives trying to get out of woman, you know, in terms of gearing towards that process of birth. And then we spend the rest of our lives wanting to get back in. And <laughs> we are, look, look at the way God has designed us. We are designed as men to enter the mystery of woman. This is integral to the meaning of a man's body. We are designed to enter, and if we can put it theologically, because this is what a woman's body is, a woman's body, if Christmas is real, a woman's body is a symbol of heaven on earth. Woman's body, through the mystery of the incarnation, has become the dwelling place of the Most High God. This longing we have to enter woman is a longing to enter the gates of heaven. 
when you see it in the right light, when you allow the Lord into that yearning, that ache, that pining, that's what it really is. Here's a truth, my brother Vernon, I want to speak to your heart. Woman is an icon. Your attraction to woman. Woman is an icon of heaven. What you're really looking for is heaven. Icons have this uh, interesting dynamic, for lack of another word, that is this. Icons are meant by God to awaken our desire for heaven, but they are not meant to satisfy our desire for heaven. Icons become idols when we take our desire for what they point us to, to the icon itself. That's when the icon becomes an idol. This, I believe, is where the pain is in your relationship that you've made of feminine beauty an idol and your wife has felt that pain and now she's apparently suspicious of your motives uh, when you're watching TV, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm going to I'm going to bring this in for a landing now, and then Wendy, please, I want to hear what you would like to say about this. Vernon, my brother, you're looking for Mary, and at the deepest level, I'm going to hold this out to you. What you really desire is to be regenerated by God within the mystery of Mary. Jesus himself says, we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are regenerated. And Nicodemus says, what, what, what? Is it possible to enter your mother's womb a second time? Jesus does not say no, but he raises the conversation to the supernatural level. We are yearning, aching, pining to be regenerated within the womb of Mary and to be birthed of Mary and to be nourished at her breast. This is what we yearn for. Saint after saint talks about this. The first pope said, we are to long for pure spiritual milk. Where does that pure spiritual milk come from? It comes from our pure spiritual mother. And if what I'm saying in, in any of the listeners out there is, is kind of making you uncomfortable or making you squeamish, okay, these, these, are, these are wounds that we all need to open up to the Lord. Mary really and truly is our spiritual mama, our spiritual mama. And do we, do we know where we even get the word mama? Mama is Latin for breast. Uh, that, that nourishing, that giving of the milk is so integral to what motherhood is that one of the most tender names for mother is breast, mama, mama, my brother, Vernon, you're longing for your spiritual mama. Go to her with your yearning. She will purify that yearning through the grace that flows through her. That grace is Christ, right? But Christ comes to us through her. Everything, everything we long for is within Mary because within Mary is Christ and Christ is everything we long for. Basic, bedrock, biblical truth Everything we yearn for comes to us through woman, through Mary, because everything we long for is God in the flesh, and God in the flesh comes to us through Mary. Vernon, take your yearning there. Go on a grand adventure. Go on a grand adventure with Mary. Be not afraid. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for all you just shared from your own journey that I think will be a help to Vernon and so many people. And I just want to add a sense of the opportunity to 
take the specific dynamics with your wife, Vernon, to prayer. You know, we can often, when things irritate us, and I am guilty of this, just kind of live in our thoughts about them, you know, replaying the frustration. You know, she said this, but then if I do this, she says that, and there's it's all it's unfair and you know that kind of feeling just justified in our frustration i can't win i can't no matter how much i change she's not going to be happy and that's not right all those feelings and thoughts can just kind of swim around and it really does take setting aside time and um you know some of you are familiar with this and some are not but to to go to a really quiet place. Maybe it's an adoration chapel. Maybe it's just some other place that you can be quiet and possibly take a journal and really get out before the Lord the feelings and then let Him speak to you. Speak to you once you're not repeating yourself over and over again because you've said it. (laughs) You don't have to keep replaying it. He can enter in and he can speak to you about how you can pray for your wife, about whether she's picking up on something real in you or whether the Lord is just allowing you to be suffering for her and for her healing. I don't know. You know, he needs to speak to your heart about that. But I just encourage you to really take the the frustration right to the Lord and let him speak to you in your experience and also speak to you about how you can love your wife through her process of healing. So that's my thought for you. Thanks, love. That's, um, I, I love your insights about those dynamics between a husband and wife, your willingness to pray for me in the ways that my brokenness has wounded you has been a source of tremendous, tremendous healing in my life. So grateful to you. And you do the same for me, so thank you, my love. I'd like to share one more thing with Vernon and with, obviously, all the listeners. I know we're not trained, typically, to understand our relationship with Mary in the way that I was sharing it a few moments ago. We're scared of these things. We have these these fears of of bringing our own junk and projecting it onto Mary. And I've had to work through all kinds of those things as well. I'd I'd like to share just so you know, I'm I'm not making these things up. Uh, This comes from our rich, rich tradition, which so few of us have really had the opportunity to plug into. I want to share a quote from St. Bernard of Clairvaux. This comes from his meditations on his sermons on the Song of Songs. This is, uh, if you want to look it up, it's Sermon 9 of St. Bernard of Clairvaux on the Song of Songs. And he's reflecting on the line from the Song of Songs, your breasts are better than wine. And this is what he says. And, and let us keep in mind here that the church has always seen the bride in the Song of Songs is fulfilled in Mary. So he says, Again, the the line is, your breasts are better than wine. Mm. He says, this comparison of carnal pleasures with wine is so very fitting. For the grape, once pressed, can never again exude its liquid. It is condemned to endless dryness. Then he says, not so, however, the breasts that we have spoken of. For when these breasts have been drained dry, they are replenished again. 
from the maternal fount within and offered to all who will drink. Here is a further reason why I insist that the breasts of the bride in the Song of Songs are superior to worldly or carnal love. The numbers who drink of them, however great, cannot exhaust their content. Their flow of milk is never suspended, for they draw unceasingly from the inward fountains of her charity. Out of her heart shall flow rivers of water. There will be a spring inside her welling up to eternal life. That, that is salvation for the thirsty heart. Vernon, your heart, like my heart, like every human heart, is thirsty. Where do we take that thirst? Let us rejoice in the beauty of woman as an icon of what we long for, and let us learn to take that thirst to Mary through whom eternal graces flow. Be not afraid, my brother. Be not afraid. Mm. I have another question for you. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. An anonymous listener asks this question. Can you talk about the church's stance on polyamory? Then he goes on. I'm pretty sure it's similar to responses to pornography or polygamy in the sense that there's an other outside the relationship, but I'm having trouble articulating specifically why it's wrong according to moral or natural law. Um, and I actually, when I saw this question, I thought, I better find out what is what is meant by this. And yeah, polyamory. Yeah, so I discovered some things I'll share with Please you. Please do. Yes, it's actually a kind of a thing in the culture to, as one of the many, many options available to us now in terms of expression of our um, sexuality is sort of intentionally including more than one sexual partner in our lives maybe not together at the same time, but just honestly dating someone with the knowledge I'm also dating so-and-so, and it's not exclusive and it's ne- not going to be, and that's not... Um, so are, we that's, so are we saying it's not exclusive sexually? Is this the question? Yeah, it is a sexual thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it would be one thing to say I'm friends with various women, no, and I'm going, but what, that's not what that's we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, well... The, the answer to this question lies in the deep yearning of the human heart to be loved exclusively. Jealousy throughout human history in, in relationships is one of them, actually the main causes of murder. Why do we get so violent? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying everybody gets violent in, in these situations, but there is a need in the human heart to be loved exclusively. There is a need in the human heart to know, to know I am worth all of your gift. I am worth all of your sexual being. That's, mm. That is a need of the heart. And we can repress that need. We can not look at it. We can be so jaded because we've been so hurt that we numb ourselves to that longing. But even there, why were we so hurt? Why did it hurt so much the first time you were replaced by someone else? Why did that hurt? Why do we, why do we try to pretend that it doesn't hurt? That hurt itself 
is an indication of what we're really longing for, of what we're really made for. Everything the church teaches, and it should be clear enough that the sexual relationship, when we embrace it according to God's plan, which is always open to life, it's always geared towards the family, it's always geared towards the next generation, it's not just a selfish thing uh, where I'm trying to meet my own needs, it's a coming together. If you look at the way God created it, sex leads to babies. Who then should be having sex? Only those people who are ready to receive and embrace the gift and the most beautiful natural fruit of that sexual relationship, which is a child. And the child needs to know who his mother and his father is. In the natural order of things, this is what the human heart needs. We need to know who mom is. We need to know who dad is. That means exclusivity in the sexual relationship. All of that is just talking at the natural level. We haven't Mm. even brought the perspective of theology or faith into it. But the natural reality reveals the supernatural reality. To the sexual exclusivity, what does that reveal theologically at the supernatural level? It reveals the way God loves. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There is one bride. There is one bride of Christ. And we have in our in our rupturing of the church, we have made of Christ, if you will, a, a polygamist. There is there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one church, there is one bride. Our sexual choices reflect our understanding of God and how he loves us. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery and it refers to Christ and the church. So you can look at this just from a natural level at what the human heart longs for. You can look at it from a supernatural level of how we are to image Christ's love for the church. All come to the same conclusion of sexual exclusivity which is what corresponds to the truth of love. And I'm thinking, too, of when Pope John Paul II in Theology of the Body talks about the prophetic nature of the human body, that we are speaking something in the language of our bodies in sexual union. And and it's prophetic because we're meant to be speaking divine truth, divine, divine truth. love. And so the, the truth that we have the great privilege of speaking to our spouse is one of total gift, one of unique affirmation of the dignity of the other and acknowledgement of having received from God our being and sharing it with this one other person in a unique and unrepeatable way, according to the truth of our union for life with one another. If we receive what the Pope is saying, then we can see that it's impossible for that understanding that comes from from revelation, from God's gift to us as his creatures, that there's no way we can say that to many people yes. honestly. So Correct. we have to be speaking lies. And I think that's just you know, we can get confused and <laughs> can think, oh, well, these people seem sort of um, intelligent and wise. And they're like, you know, oh, we don't get jealous. If I feel jealous, then I, you know, I just realize it's my own insecurity. And so they can sort of seem like they're 
higher, some on some kind of right, higher right, plane, right. and that can make it confusing because we don't want to be inferior. But there is no higher plane than living in the truth that God designed us to live in. You know, preach so, it, Wendy. Preach it. Yes, that's where we want to be and need to be. And that's we my take wife it in. preaching goodness. <laughs> We won't be confused and we won't be tempted. And whether or not we convince other people is quite secondary to whether our hearts are at peace with knowing the gifts that we've received and living that gift. Which brings us full circle here. Hearts at peace. Mm. Hearts at peace by trusting in God's plan for our lives. He's got you. Whatever you're going through right now, know that he's got you in the palm of his hand. Thanks for tuning in to our episode this week we're so happy to be able to be with you if you uh, again want to be part of that youtube thing that i'm doing live each day at noon make sure you click on the links in the show notes to sign up at my youtube channel and please consider just prayerfully is the lord tapping you on the shoulder to become a patron of the work of the theology of the body institute we have lots of ongoing formation for our patron community click the link to learn more about that We'd be so grateful. We're with you in prayer. We love you. You are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes.